Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hello, friends. Hey, everybody. We have our children off to Hindi tutor, so we have a tiny bit of a quiet house for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got to make the most of this. Yeah. Maybe they'll come tromping in halfway through. Yeah, that's right. Once again, surrounded by Legos. Yep. That's how we do it. It's our <laughs> recording studio. It's good for the acoustics. Uh, things have been opening up here in our country. A lot more opportunities to get out and just do ministry. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been a good season getting ready to travel all of March, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So back to so that. Be it's fun. been two years of not much, and now mm-hmm. back to that. So grateful for that. We are going to be addressing a really important topic today that I'm very excited about. Yeah, I am too. It's one, well, it's shame, as you know from the title, but one that I have been wrestling with internally for maybe five or six months yeah. because I've been hearing it, noticing it in so many different like social media sources Mm -hmm. or books or podcasts. And I think we both just realized we don't really know clearly what the Bible teaches on shame. So it's led to a lot of discussions between us. Mm. When Shaney's wrestling with something, I'm wrestling with something. It means Jesse gets to learn everything that I'm learning because of my constant external processing. Yep. So I have read slash listened to a few books and... Lots of podcasts and Did talks. a biblical survey mm-hmm. that we're sharing with you all today. But basically, we had a lot of questions because I think most of the books will say, don't live in shame. Right. You shouldn't be ashamed of who you are. Right. And even like Christian ones are like, you know, God yeah. has forgiven us of our sins, so don't live in shame. Yeah. But I think we wanted to make sure okay, is that it? Or does the Bible have more to say about it? And are there times we should feel ashamed? Is that ever appropriate for a believer? Is it ever appropriate to like shame someone Mm -hmm. else? Right. It's such a hot topic, like you mentioned. It's just everywhere. I feel like everywhere you look, even in the like Christian kind of media universe, but even more secular sources as Mm -hmm. well. It's just everywhere. There's a ton of books. And exactly like you said, we wanted to see with clarity, what does the Bible say? Because we'd gone back and forth even on a definition. When you started reading through those things and we were talking, I mean, we were even disagreeing on what yeah. the definition was. We couldn't even figure out, like, what are we even talking <laughs> right. about here? Is it guilt? Is it just like it a public form of guilt? Is it embarrassment? Is it that big of a deal, right? Is it right. being overblown? Right. But I think after doing this survey, it's pretty clear it is a big deal. It's all over the scriptures. Yes. I think that was the surprising part. Yeah. I just looked at every single reference of shame in the Bible, mm-hmm. shame or ashamed, and some of the synonyms like disgrace or reproach, and ended up with over 18 pages of notes. Yeah. I was shocked at how much is all over the Bible, mm. and I had a lot to learn. But I do now feel really happy that the Bible has clear answers, yeah. and the Bible helps us know how to think about it and what is appropriate shame, what is inappropriate mm-hmm. shame. Yeah. And where does shame come from? Right. And all those big questions. Yeah. And it's not just like a pop psychology sort of trend of the day type thing. It's something I think we need to address. And I think it's something that actually believers struggle a lot with. And it's unnamed. Yeah. And so that exactly. the being unnamed gives it mm-hmm. power 
And so that's part of what we want to do is expose it yes. according to the scriptures and just say, here's what this is. Yes. Well, and that was a big part of my internal struggle mm -hmm. was I feel like even through some of the secular books that I read, God was opening up my eyes to shame yeah. that I was living with. Yeah. That was like, maybe I had called it insecurity or maybe mm -hmm. I hadn't called it out at all, right. but ways I was letting Satan just beat me up. Yeah. And God doesn't want us to live like that. Yeah. That isn't how God speaks to us, mm -hmm. to shame us and accuse us. So that's why it has taken us so long to be to want to talk about it because it's been a, an inner journey yeah. as well that we'll talk about in our next episode. That's right. There are a lot of things you could include in a definition of shame. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just share one from Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Shame is a negative emotion caused by an awareness of wrongdoing, hurt ego, or guilt. A lot of times that includes public exposure of one's guilt. It could be sin. Mm -hmm. It could be a deficiency. Right. It could be weakness. Could plus be embarrassment. Embar plus other people noticing, right. which also feels embarrassing mm -hmm. and might feel like your reputation has been hurt. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's due to personal sin, yeah. maybe not, which we'll see as we go through the scriptures. Right. This whole episode is going to be a biblical survey. Yeah. We felt like it was important to do that first, mm -hmm. even though there's a lot to share. Yeah. Unashamedly, we have a lot to share. Mm, nice. So much to do there. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start with in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. So before the fall, before sin entered the world, they had nothing to hide from one another or God. That's what it is like to be unashamed. Nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. And they had perfect unity in their relationships mm -hmm. and acceptance of one another. Yeah. After sinning, they hid. They covered themselves. They were afraid. They were separated. They were separated. Yeah. The shame that they felt over their sin led them to all of those other emotions mm -hmm. and actions. Yeah. It led them to isolate, to hide parts of mm -hmm. themselves. That is such a big part of shame. Yeah. We want to hide parts of ourselves. And that disconnection in their relationships and fear. Mm -hmm. Fear of punishment, fear of rejection, yeah. fear of ridicule. Mm -hmm. So shame came into the world when sin entered the world. Yeah. That is the root of shame, yeah. is sin in the world. However, as we read through the scriptures, we did find that sometimes people feel shame that isn't directly due to their own personal sin, right. but it's more due to just the broken world we live in, yeah. or maybe sinful people around us. Yeah. So barrenness right. is a source of shame in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Not because Rachel or Hannah were extremely sinful. Yeah. That's not why they felt ashamed of their barrenness, mm -hmm. but because it was considered in their society right. a shameful thing. Yeah. So there are ways that we feel shame that are not due to our own sin, but they're just still due to the brokenness in the world that is due to sin. That's right. And so that shame is connected from the very beginning to sin. Mm -hmm. It comes in with sin. And it's actually yeah. joined pretty closely to it. This was for me one of the big kind of convincing things that shame was a big deal is just thinking about and going back through reading the story of the fall in Genesis mm -hmm. three was that it was there at the very beginning. Like it's mm -hmm. mentioned that they were unashamed. Right. And then you see the immediate results that are the results of shame that came from their yeah. sin was hiding, yeah. right? Not wanting mm -hmm. to be seen, you know, that immediate 
break in connection, that immediate break mm-hmm. in relationship. This is a big piece for me as I was just mm-hmm. struggling through, is this a big deal? Mm-hmm. Just going back through to this very, the very beginning, right? And mm-hmm. seeing how it's rooted in that initial fall and our separation from him. God chose naked and unashamed. Yeah, that's right. He chose. He could have to said naked and way. happy, right? Or naked and pure. Or yeah. I don't know, but mm-hmm. he chose that word. Yep, that's right. So it's important. Now, as we said, there is shame that is due directly to sinful behavior, and mm-hmm. there's also shame that is due more to like just the consequences, circumstances of the world, brokenness yes. in the world. Yes. Things that may not like, be attributable it could be to a your weakness. Right. It could be other people right. rejecting you, yeah. perceived failure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, we'll just give a few examples of shame in the Bible that is due to sin, right. sinful living. Proverbs has several examples of foolish or sinful living that is shameful, mm-hmm. that brings shame. Yeah. There's several about children that... Lazy children bring shame to mm. their parents. Proverbs ten five. Bad wives bring shame to their husbands. Proverbs okay. twelve four. And well, I have four or five examples of sexual sin mm. or sexual misconduct being especially shameful. Yeah. I do want to point that out because I think sexual sin is unique because the person that has been sinned against. Mm feels shame yeah. even when they are perfectly innocent. Right. It just comes up over and over again, like you said, in these examples that we see throughout the scriptures, that there is that particular kind of power mm-hmm. to it, right? particular like, significance to it. Uh, like Amnon violating Tamar, mm-hmm. she talks about, where could I ever take my shame? Yeah. It's a disgraceful thing. It's yeah. humiliating. Mm-hmm. Even... Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, mm-hmm. it said he was unwilling to put her to shame. Yeah. His plan was to divorce her quietly mm-hmm. because that would have been shameful for Mary right. to be pregnant before marriage. And mm-hmm. there's some references in the law mm-hmm. that refer to like a man seeing his sister's nakedness. Mm-hmm. So in general, in this episode, we'll try to give a couple examples of each, but we will post a lot more references yeah. for each point. Yeah. But for brevity, we won't go there through go. all those. You're welcome. Yes. But another example I do want to share about shame that is due to sin Mm -hmm. directly is idolatry. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah is the best example of this. The book Mm -hmm. of Isaiah, one of the main themes of Isaiah is that a life of rejecting God and worshiping idols is the most shameful life. Mm. That idolatry always leads to shame and to disappointment. Chapters 42, 45, several examples in Isaiah. But the main truth is, this is from Isaiah 42. They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols. Mm -hmm. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Mm -hmm. Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame. They shall all be put to shame together. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion. So idolatry is shameful Mm -hmm. because you are exchanging God, God's glory for false idols, Mm -hmm. which is shameful. It's Mm -hmm. appalling, Mm -hmm. God says. It's bitter, Mm -hmm. and it will lead to disappointment. 
over and over again. Like these are things that are sounded all throughout the scriptures. Like Shaney said, Isaiah, just kind of this ongoing narrative about the shamefulness of idolatry. Mm-hmm. This is the category, shame attached to personal sin, attached to our personal guilt. Yes, and Ezra and Nehemiah do mm-hmm. add another aspect of feeling shame for corporate sin mm-hmm. that also has resulted in defeat from enemies. Yeah. So it's kind of like extra bad. They're feeling shame over their whole corporate sin, Mm. plus the fact that they are now being defeated by their enemies because of it. And so you see Ezra and Nehemiah and even Daniel confessing that to God, that they've Mm -hmm. been put to open shame and confessing that. I'm ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to Mm -hmm. you, God, is what Ezra says. Yeah. So definitely that connection there, right? The responsibility of sin leading to shame, right? Shame that's felt individually, shame that's also experienced corporately, just that aspect of it being tied directly to sin, right? Then there's the other category where shame is not directly tied to personal sin, but it could be due to perceived failure, to a deficiency, or even to defeat. And this, so this is where it does overlap a little bit with that last one. But again, here it may not be because of the sin, specifically of the people, or at least the sin's not named, but defeat still comes. Okay, so Shani already mentioned it, but barrenness, that's something that comes up often, uh, that that was shameful in society. And then being defeated by enemies, since 1 Samuel 17, David asks, this is the episode with Goliath, when David is talking about what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach, which would be like disgrace, dishonor from Israel. For who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So it was shameful, for the army of God mm-hmm. that they weren't going out to do something about Goliath, right? He was basically casting reproach on them and it was shameful for them to do nothing. Sometimes shame is a result of seeing others' devotion and our lack of devotion. And so here's a pretty particular case in Second Chronicles. Hezekiah urged the people to celebrate the Passover in verse 30 of Second Chronicles. It says, The priests were ashamed so that they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. Basically, they were seeing the devotion of the people of Israel. They were ashamed that they didn't share in that. Mm -hmm. And so that actually kind of spurred them on to a good response of, hey, we should Mm -hmm. get our stuff together here. Mm -hmm. And so a positive example kind of outcome of that shame that they felt at seeing the devotion Mm -hmm. of others. Now, the next point is when shame is an appropriate response to sin, And when it's a part of true confession and repentance, then God is always ready to receive his children, welcome them into his presence, and replace their shame with gladness and heal their faithlessness. Okay, so here are lots of stories about the Lord opening his arms to those who are feeling shame and those who turn and repent and turn to him. Jeremiah 31, I will restore the fortunes of my people. Your wounds I will heal. Again, I will build you. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas of mercy I will lead them back. He who scattered scattered Israel will gather him. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. You've disciplined me. I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored. And after I had turned away, I relented. After I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed and I was confounded because I bore the disgrace of my youth. And so here the, the right response to shame, right? People calling out, crying out repentance, recognizing their sin, recognizing how that has rightfully produced shame in their hearts and calling out to God to be forgiven and yeah. to be healed. I like the examples in Jeremiah because there's a lot of judgment of the people's idolatry mm-hmm. in Jeremiah, mm-hmm. but 
that was due be, to them being unrepentant. Mm -hmm. And when we see the people being repentant, and mm -hmm. we see God's heart here in these yeah. verses, that he's saying, I was ready to restore you. Mm -hmm. I was ready to build you back up. Mm -hmm. The minute you come to me with weeping, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you mercy. Yeah. And it says they will be radiant over the goodness mm -hmm. of the Lord. Radiant faces are the opposite of shame. Yeah. Shame is a downtrodden face mm -hmm. that looks down and wants to hide. Yeah. But radiance is when you feel welcome and loved. Mm -hmm. And this says that God is disciplining them mm -hmm. like an untrained calf. He yeah. had brought judgment upon them. But in the very same verse, he's saying, but is Ephraim my dear son, my darling child? My heart yearns for him. I will have mercy on him. Yeah. So it's just showing in the midst of discipline for their idolatry, for their rebellion, God is saying, when you come to me repentant, oh, I'm ready. I'm your father. I love you. Mm -hmm. That's good. And it shows the difference in the ways I think that God deals with people according to how they deal with their shame, mm -hmm. which is the next point. Yeah. Jeremiah has some pretty hard verses that show that when people do continue, when they are shameless in their sin, mm -hmm. when they, it says, one of the verses in Jeremiah says, they do not know how to blush. Mm. They're doing things that should make them blush, yeah. and they don't know how. Yeah. They were stiff-necked. They were stubborn. They were mm -hmm. unashamed of their idolatry. These are people who are persisting in yeah. unrepentant idolatry. They were defiling God's temple. Mm. The prophets were lying in the name of God. So God shames them yeah. for that. He says, be appalled, O heavens, be shocked. For my people have forsaken me. They have bowed down like a whore. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel will be shamed. Mm. You will be put to shame by Egypt as you are put to shame by Assyria. From it, too, you will come away with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust, and you will not prosper by them. Jeremiah 2. Also in Jeremiah 5. It says, they have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. Mm -hmm. The prophets are prophesying falsely. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Mm -hmm. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. Mm -hmm. At the time when I punish, punish them, they shall be overthrown. Mm -hmm. There is an, a reality in the word mm -hmm. that shows a life of continued, unrepentant, idolatry, rebellion, mm -hmm. God is eventually going to shame yeah, those right. people. I mean, in the end, when Jesus returns, anyone who doesn't know and love Jesus will be utterly shamed. Yeah. That's when God's people are going to be fully vindicated, mm -hmm. fully proven right, yeah. completely unashamed yeah. for all the world to see, yeah. and God's enemies will be ultimately mm -hmm. shamed and even in the present time you know especially in that time very explicitly how god postures himself towards those who refuse to accept their shame who refuse to feel the shame that they should feel for their sin mm -hmm. they receive more and more of that condemnation because mm -hmm. the shame they experienced and rightfully so didn't have mm -hmm. the intended effect right it didn't have the the right effect in their hearts yes. to turn them back to their maker yes 
So many of the minor prophets continue that theme of unrepentant idolatry, mm -hmm. shameless idolatry leading to God's judgment and mm -hmm. God shaming them. And even on into the New Testament, a lot of the ways that Jesus spoke to, he spoke very harshly sometimes to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders because of their pride. Mm -hmm. Because in the same way, we would say they didn't respond to shame that they should have had for not obeying you know, the heart of the law and just right. following the letter and trying to justify themselves. In the story of the healing the woman with a disabling spirit for 18 years, on the Sabbath, Luke 13, all the fights they had with the Sabbath, he says to them, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? When people are not repentant, mm -hmm. when they're not soft in their hearts toward God, then they rightfully receive even more shame. It kind of yes. gets heaped on them. Well, it says, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame mm -hmm. and all the people rejoiced. That's right. So he rebuked them, called them out, and they mm -hmm. were put to shame. They looked bad in front of everyone. Yeah, that's right. And even in 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, it says that God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Mm -hmm. So we do see examples of God speaking harshly mm -hmm. to prideful, unrepentant people. That's right. So now we have a really wonderful point and maybe one of the biggest truths on shame in the Bible yeah. that we will come back to. Mm -hmm. This is the promise that is all throughout the Bible. Mm -hmm. God promises not to let his people be put to shame, but in the end, to defend them, to give them honor, to give them eternal life. God's enemies are the ones that will ultimately be put to shame. Mm -hmm. Many verses in Psalms that repeat this promise, those who wait on him will not be put to shame. Mm -hmm especially Psalm 25, 34, and 71. Those Psalms are so encouraging mm. that we take refuge in the Lord. We trust the Lord to defend us, and we will not be put to shame because He is going ultimately to bring justice and give honor. And in Psalm 34, it says, again, those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So I just love it. Again, the opposite of shame in these verses is a radiant face. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because we feel God's goodness That's and right. love in our lives. We have that promise repeated in mm. the New Testament. Mm. Isaiah 28, 16 yeah. is quoted a couple times that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Mm -hmm. That's quoted in Romans 9, 33, again in 1 Peter 2, 6, 7. Mm -hmm. This is just a very powerful promise. Mm -hmm. If you trust in Jesus, you're not going to be put to shame. That doesn't mean people aren't going to laugh at you. Right. That doesn't mean you're going to be the hero and everybody mm -hmm. is going to applaud you. It means ultimately, in the end, we have God's approval. That's right. We yeah. have eternal life mm -hmm. coming up. Mm -hmm. We have no condemnation. So the world can laugh. Right. The world can ridicule Christians. The world can beat Christians mm -hmm. and put them in prison. Mm -hmm. But this promise is we take refuge in him mm -hmm. and he will make sure we are not put to shame. Yeah. That all those, the effects of shame, right, that we talked about wanting to hide wanting to be separated, those will be reversed because of what Christ has done for us. Mm -hmm. And they'll be reversed when we're in the presence of God himself. And that'll be the ultimate overcoming of shame for us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it is important 
to clarify, a lot of times shame has an audience, right? Because the opposite of shame would be something like honor, where you're lifted up. We know we have no promises to be honored by the world as followers of Jesus. Actually, we have a lot of warnings that the opposite will happen. The world will hate us for following Jesus. But the honor we receive will be the honor that comes from God. Mm -hmm. the, one, the only one that really matters, the only opinion that matters will be the one that comes from him. And that will be unassailable forever ours in his presence. Yes. Right. We will have suffering mm -hmm. due to becoming a Christian. Yeah. Interestingly, the Bible even says, don't be ashamed of suffering mm -hmm. as a Christian. Yeah. Don't be ashamed if you're put in jail or mm -hmm. if you're spat upon. Don't be ashamed. Paul said, don't be ashamed of me as a prisoner because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. God is not ashamed of us. Yeah, that's right. So we shouldn't be. In Hebrews 11, they all died in faith, not having received the things they promised. But God was not ashamed to be called their God. Mm -hmm. Christians ultimately will not be put to shame. Yeah. We can trust God. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't need the honor of everyone else mm -hmm. because it. we have gods. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. That is, I think the, the faces are radiant. You know, how that keeps coming up is this word picture of the opposite of shame, <laughs> right? Honor. Mm -hmm. It's really, they're radiant in the presence of God. We're radiant because we can, there's no separation, right? Mm -hmm. That that is the ultimate promise that we have. No matter what we face, no matter the shame, the attempts to shame us by the world and temptations to feel that shame as well in the world, mm -hmm. that that is the ultimate promise. Yes. Right? The next truth is what makes that possible. Mm -hmm. And that is that Jesus was shamefully treated by others and because of our sin in our place on the cross. Mm -hmm. Jesus was ridiculed and mocked. He was considered a failure. He was embarrassed. Mm. He was dishonored. He was naked. Mm. That is so shameful. Yeah. All of that, I believe, intentionally taking all the shame that we mm. deserve because mm -hmm. of our sin. Yeah. Shame is due to sin. If we don't know Jesus, we should feel shame. So when Jesus took our sin, he took our shame also yeah. that is connected to that sin. And he defeated Satan, put the enemy to shame. Mm -hmm. In Psalm 22, it says, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And similarly, in Isaiah 53, it says he was despised and rejected by men. Mm -hmm. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. Mm. All of this shows Jesus not only suffered and died for us, he was shamed. He, it looked like God was completely rejecting him. Everyone, yeah. everyone. He had utter rejection. Yeah. Nobody was on his side. Mm -hmm. So it appeared to be complete defeat. Mm. And even Jesus in Luke 18, 32, when he was foretelling his death to his disciples, mm -hmm. he told them he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. Mm -hmm. Those are very shameful things. Mm -hmm. And to spit on someone, I read in a commentary, because that comes up in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. that is a way to 
publicly shame someone is to spit upon them. So all of those things are included in Scripture to show us how Jesus literally was shamed in our place. Mm -hmm. He took what I deserved. Yeah, it's the 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's all that's entailed in that sin, the guilt, the shame. He took it. He became it on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus bore all those things. These are, in some ways, you know, the actual practical, physical experience of it. What he experienced, that's an indicator of the broader spiritual shame that he bore on our behalf. Those experiences of it that we have. Oh, there's our cat, Betty. <laughs> it's our, her first time to join the pod. Oh, my goodness. Also, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So he did endure shame for us. And now, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no one to condemn us, to shame us, because we have the righteousness of Christ. This is a wonderful promise. We do not need to live in ongoing shame over past sin. Yeah. Jesus already took it. Mm-hmm. That's silly of us to do it. Mm-hmm. It's unnecessary. Yeah, that's right. And I, we all struggle with it. Right, But to think about it in these terms, let's put it in its right context and let's think about the biblical truth behind it. We're actually saying that what Jesus did wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Right? That yeah. feeling that way, we're actually... We have to keep punishing ourselves. That's right. I'm feeling and we bad. have to do more, more than mm-hmm. Jesus has done. And mm-hmm. so we're dishonoring him, right? Mm-hmm. And what he did by be- continuing to believe that in ourselves. And mm-hmm. we're the ones who reap the consequences for that. Yeah. He did everything. That just we're just making it harder. We're for punishing ourselves. ourselves and keeping ourselves from the abundant life that he wants us to have. That's right. The fruit of the spirit, peace and joy. How do you feel peace and joy when you're filled with shame? Mm-hmm. Okay, now we will not be put to shame. Jesus took our shame. Mm-hmm. But we are now commanded very clearly to follow Jesus and not be ashamed of him. Yeah. The gospel or suffering for the gospel mm-hmm. at all cost. Mm-hmm. This is a very strong command, especially in the New Testament. Jeremiah is an example in the Old Testament of someone who was shamed but continued preaching, Mm -hmm. even in the face of people trying to shame him. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says in Mark and in Luke, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory. And Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, mm-hmm. for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And again, Paul says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So we now, because we trust in God to ultimately give us honor, mm-hmm. we should not be ashamed of Jesus. Yeah. We should not be ashamed. We are God's people. We have honor and dignity because God loves us and accepts us and we have the righteousness of Christ. So we are commanded to not be ashamed of the gospel or of Jesus. That's right. And just those assurances, again, that are built on what he did for us, mm-hmm. right? And it really is, as you as you kind of walk through all of these truths, we're learning to see the world like God sees it. In a way, you could say that that's what all discipleship is about, is that we're learning to see the world through God's eyes. 
And so that's what gives us the power and the freedom to care less and less about what people would say about us. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, in the Christian life, that's what a lot of us, that's the obstacle for many people. Definitely. As we care so much about what people are going to say. Absolutely. What, yep. Maybe what's the biggest obstacle to personal evangelism? Mm-hmm. Is that we convince ourselves that people are going to think you're weird or they don't want to hear what you have to say or whatever it is. And so we're getting hung up by this. What's underneath there is a sense of shame at how people may react to you, how they may think about you. And so the opposite of that, that is to walk in how God sees the world mm-hmm. by faith to allow his view to become the most dominant in our hearts and our lives. Yes. Very good. Okay, so next, believers have been set free from sinful lifestyles that lead to shame, unfruitfulness, and death. Mm. A life apart from Christ leads to shame, unfruitfulness, and death. Romans 6.21 says, What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death, but you have been set free from sin. Mm. Because we have been set free from sin... Mm -hmm. We now are to live honorable lifestyles, not shameful. So there are commands in the New Testament about living honorable lifestyles and not doing shameful things. We're to live lives that result in fruit and sanctification. Mm -hmm. We're also commanded to live such honorable lives that our opponents are actually put to shame. So for instance, in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says... Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, Mm -hmm. rightly handling the word of truth. And Jesus gave a parable in Luke 14 about the seats at the wedding feast where he told people, you shouldn't go sit in the place of honor. Mm. You should actually go sit in the lowest place because if you go sit in the place of honor and then the master moves you to a lower place, you're going to be put to shame. And so Jesus tells us, don't exalt yourself. You should humble yourself and let others exalt you. Hmm. So the next one is that sometimes believers need to rebuke one another for doing shameful things, that that is a part of walking in this life of honor, walking in Christ, is that sometimes shame is appropriate to be used even among believers in order to rebuke people because they're doing things that they shouldn't as followers of Christ. So Ephesians 5.12 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. 2 Thessalonians 3.14, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. It's our duty sometimes. This is a part of like church discipline, discipleship, dealing with the sin of others that sometimes we want people to feel appropriately shamed that their conduct doesn't line up with the gospel and the life of Jesus in them. Right. This is one we'll definitely talk more about in future episodes because obviously we have to be careful. Mm. I don't think that should be our norm. We're not normally shaming others. Many times when we shame others, it's because of pride Mm. in our own lives. It's because I'm shocked by your sin Mm. And I'm going to try to change you by making you feel bad over your sin. So I just want to put a little asterisk on that one that I think we can do that one wrong a lot. But it's in the Bible that we see sometimes Paul like shaming people, Mm -hmm. saying like he would say a harsh kind of rebuke to them. And he would say like, I say this to your shame. Mm -hmm. There are things people 
can do that they should be ashamed of. Right. And when they're doing it and they're not, they need someone to help them, That's right? right? Mm-hmm. And there's also an example of Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.14 where he's giving them instructions. And then he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Mm-hmm. I have become your father in Christ Jesus. So even in that one, he's telling them, I'm not trying to just shame you. Right. I just want to admonish you as a loving father. Yeah as we correct our children. Yeah. So, again, the, there's lots more to say about that one. Yeah, but even to the Old Testament, even the examples of God shaming to bring about rebuke, his goal mm-hmm. was to Restoration. restore. Yes. His goal was to redeem. Yes. And it was up to the people to respond rightly. Yes, right? definitely. Yeah. Good. Okay, and the last one is that sometimes people do shame others mm-hmm. as a desire or an expression of their anger, their criticism, their contempt, and it's actually unfair. And the recipient of that can refuse to be ashamed. I think this is good. Mm -hmm. We see a really good example in David when he was dancing and praising God Mm -hmm. and his wife came out to meet him and she tried to shame him. He basically refused to be ashamed. He said, I'll become even more undignified than this. I'll be humiliated in my own eyes, Mm -hmm. and others will honor me. Basically, he said, it's appropriate to abase oneself in order to honor God. And actually, McCall became barren until her death after that. So it seemed that God was agreeing with David. And then we also see the example of Job's friends trying to shame him many times throughout the book of Job's and Job rejecting that sometimes. Paul also faced some unfair criticism and he defended his ministry and refused to be ashamed. In 2 Corinthians 10, 8, he said, if anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. So he did not always let people unfairly unfairly criticize him, but rejected their shame. So, okay, we made it through 11 points and had about 18 million interruptions in our house throughout that. Great job, Jesse, for handling those. real life. Here we are. But we're not going to stop the recording. Kids and cats. Nope. <laughs> Kids and cats, Just in and out. Pushing right through there. I hope that's helpful. Like I said, we, there's so many more references, but yeah. I think that gives a pretty good overall general summary of what the Bible teaches on it. Yes, which again is the most important. As we yes. went through this survey, I think we were both surprised at some of the <laughs> things that came out and the mm-hmm. breadth of teaching from the Bible on this very important topic, mm-hmm. right? And to see how prominent it is mm-hmm. in scripture. Mm-hmm. So maybe again, kind of to sum up some of the few like key points, mm-hmm. shame is tied to sin. It's rooted mm-hmm. in sin. Ultimately mm-hmm. the way we experience it now is some, because of our own guilt, our own sin, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But then also sometimes we experience it because of other people's sin and because of the brokenness in the world mm-hmm. that may not be right because of our own sin. Right. right. And that, the most important thing is that the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ that God provided takes care of that shame. Yes. It overturns the shame so that yes. we have full victory, 
full presence, all the things that shame brings that we talked about at the beginning, wanting to hide, not wanting to be known, wanting to be separate, mm-hmm. wanting to isolate. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. gospel turns all those things on its head yes. because of Christ. Absolutely. Because Jesus took our shame mm-hmm. on the cross and because we have a promise that we will never be put to shame, mm-hmm. we can live with radiant faces because God delights in us. Mm-hmm. He welcomes us into his presence. Even when we do terrible sins, yeah. we can go to him in confession and repentance, and he is always going to welcome us. Mm-hmm. In that moment, when we go to him humbly, he doesn't shame us. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, he honors us. Yeah. He loves us. Yeah. And so we should not live with ongoing shame over mm-hmm. sin that we have already confessed. Yeah. We should believe Jesus, you took that for me, and you forgive me. Mm -hmm. There's no condemnation for me. And that we're accepted. We're accepted. And we should not let Satan just accuse us for things that we have already dealt with and confessed to the Lord and received his forgiveness. So we'll talk more about that in the future. And we pray that it helps people to reject inappropriate shame and live honorable lifestyles. Thank you so much, friends, for hanging in with us. And we will go deeper and share even some of our own personal journey on this in our next episode. Thanks, friends. Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney. Where every believer is a coworker in God's mission.